Yes, people. Echoes from the Void 36. What a song, right? Tell me what you saw. Tell me what to do. Woohoo! Ooh, 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 ah, ah. Man, I should have been the lead singer for Yeah, Yeah, Yes, right? I know, I know. You don't have to tell me. Killing it, right? People, it's been... There's some crazy weird shit happening. I don't know. I seem to be a magnet for weird. For weird and fucked up. Alright, so, yeah, let's get, let's get straight into the shit, right, so, uh, you know, I've talked about it, I'm on the dating apps, you know what I mean, trying, trying to meet someone decent and all of that, so, I was talking to, I was talking to one girl, um, we had a a date, a date planned, and, she like uh, it all went crazy her end and i just didn't hear from her the next day she's all apologetic but yeah that date got cancelled um and so at the same time this other girl messaged me and we're talking and uh, the conversation's going well and everything like that but then it transpires that She's in Chicago. So it's just a bit like, all right, well, you know, we're talking. So, eh, fuck it. Let's just carry on talking. So we're talking and everything. Everything's cool. And um, then one day, like, she's, and this is the thing. We, so we've been talking for probably, what, three days. And she says to me, um, oh, can I ask you something? I'm like, yeah just ask you know what I mean it's just like whatever man and she's just like oh well you know I feel that I'm really comfortable with you and you know every everything's cool um so I was wondering can you send me a frigging google gift card I'm like what the fuck are you talking she's like yeah can you send me a google gift card so i can download some music and films onto my phone which was very odd because like so when we were talking and it transpired she's in chicago i was just like well why don't we have a skype call and just you know i mean have a proper conversation and she's just like oh no, my, 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 the screen on my phone is broken, so I can't see it, I'm like, alright, whatever, whatever, that's alright, that's fine, so then I was just like, hey, I thought your fucking screen was broken, so how are you watching freaking movies and shit on your phone, and then she makes up some bullshit excuse, so I just like, you know what, later to you, because we ain't shit, we ain't anything, so how are you asking that question at this moment in time, you know, makes no sense, so I'm like, why am I talking to someone that's a straight up weird liar, and it's just like, it's this friggin' fraud bullshit, 
the amount of times a chick has asked for money and stuff you know what I mean, like, I really want to go on a date with you, but I'm in another country, and I've missed my flight, if you send me the money, I, I, I can get back to London, and we can go, I've heard that shit a lot, and every time, it's bye, you know what I mean, I ain't sending someone friggin' money, that's in some insane shit, so yeah, told her to bounce, and luck and the thing it been so the girl that cancelled well flaked the girl that flaked on me so she got back in touch and we went on a date so you know what i mean i thought hey we'll go to this place they've got arcades they got bowling they got bumper cars just a little casual thing you know what i mean and we ended up um just walking along the south bank which was nice so we just walked for ages so and, and the, the funny thing about it was we got to one we got to uh london bridge and i was like yo we'll walk up and she's like i ain't walking up that's far i want to walk up that's crazy so we went to waterloo a bit which was closer and we walked there and she was just like oh you know what i'm really enjoying walking and talking can we just carry on walking so i'm like okay so then we just walked all the way down to london bridge and then she's just like oh i don't know why i didn't just agree to do this in the first place this has been so much fun i've really enjoyed myself and i ain't even paraphrasing this time people this is what she said so yeah that was a nice day but but and there's always a but <laughs> like so we're, we're coming down to and we're close to london bridge and i just hear hey excuse me man um i was wondering could you tell me where um I can get on the Jubilee line. And there was this young American dude who had got himself lost. His phone was dead. And so it's just like, oh, yeah, I really need to get to the station so I can get back to my hostel. You know what I mean? And it was freezing cold. He's in a thin ass jacket and shit. So it was, I believe like do unto others what you wish done to you you know what i mean i'm like i'm not a religious man but i you know what i mean i just think treat people well treat them nice so you know what I mean? because it gets a little bit complicated as you get closer to the station so i was gonna just go yo just walk straight down and boom you're basically there but his phone was dead so i was just like you know what we're going to the station so just follow us so i thought he's gonna follow and i could still just talk to the girl and he would just follow and just you know keep his mouth shut and just be low-key no he was not low-key he just talked to me all the friggin time which is fine but it, it really did put the kibosh on the rest of the day <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? it's not really a date <laughs> when you've got a foreign tourist in tow but you know i think i think she actually appreciated that the fact that you know what i mean i helped this dude out so um you know 
But it was, come the end, she I put her on a train. She was happy. And, uh, yeah, she wants to meet up again. So, I, you know, all in all, not a bad time. So, um, yeah, that's my adventures. So, let's get into the rest of this podcast and um, give you some news, some reviews, and all of that good stuff. Okay, so there's some odd things happening in the world. And um, the latest is Marks and Spencers being accused of um, coach cultural appropriation. Yeah, cultural appreciation at Marks and Spencers. And do you want to know the reason why? Because they produced a biryani wrap. For their new plant-based food range. Which is ridiculous, right? It is indeed. So, it's, a, yeah. So, they've got this new sweet potato biryani wrap. And um, a couple of Indian chefs are not happy about it. So, um, Asma Khan um, and... More Monica Gowandhan uh, are both furious about the um yeah about the situation. Um Gowandhan uh has said that um well she thinks that um well this is what she said. Thanks, but I like my biryani with rice in a bowl, not a wrap. Seriously, m and And then um, Khan said, um, Rethink... Um, uh, what's, my bad, what did he say? Rethink the wraps and um, you do not appreciate appropriate names from a cuisine without even bothering doing any research on that dish which just seems a bit like because cooking when you're cooking there's always different mashups you know I mean they like people are always doing different things with food like look people put black pudding around a scotched egg like people Deep fry Mars bars. People put like Indian dishes in Yorkshire puddings. Like no one says, "Oh, that's appropriation. That's that's wrong. You shouldn't do that." It's just like, okay, so you're trying something new with a dish. So it really seems odd that these people are like. Clamouring at Marks and Spencer with all this nonsense. If you don't like it, you don't have to eat it. There's so many things that they sell. Look, I definitely don't like everything they sell. I don't think there's any food shop where I'm like every single dish, every single product I think is incredible and amazing. But I, I, I'll eat the things that I like. You know what I mean? You just... Just ignore the things that you don't like. But it seems 
like this big thing right now where if you don't agree with something you call you you shout out a cultural appropriation or racism sexism you know what I mean any of the isms you you throw at people which is insane look we don't all have to get along you understand we, we can disagree we cannot like something but let people be let people have their livelihood let people try something new try something different let's not just throw shit at everyone it's it's like this is a really crazy time you know for a minute like everyone was being called a nazi now you have like this like you know just the other day when you had the um the the the, the uh the the white youth in america who was standing in front of the um the old native american gentleman and everyone thought that you know the white guy was being bad and all of this when when you see the full video the native american guy was the one that walked up to the white guy so it, it's just like people want to jump to assumptions people just don't want to go eh that's just a stupid situation or someone said a stupid thing or oh well let do you know what I mean I just won't do that I won't watch that I won't go there I won't eat that it's straight away looking for a way you can be offended you know how look how can I be offended and how can I get other people to take my side and be offended as well because no one does their research you know everyone wants to jump on the bandwagon and throw shade without actually knowing and understanding something like it's really got to stop you know we're at the beginning of 2019 so people let's not be assholes all right i mean that's the big thing Stop being an arsehole in 2019 and just let people be. So, you know, I think that one of the craziest stories that I've seen this week was um, a lion, sorry, not a lion, a leopard cub was found inside a passenger's luggage. Can you really like a, a, a leopard cub in luggage at the upper end as well? So it already done a flight. So it's just shocking that it was able to survive. But it was just in luggage. And it was lucky that it was found as well. So... A, a, a gentleman had been on a flight from Thailand to India. So once he got to India, you know, uh, like the airport officials just randomly chose the guy to, you know, do a check. And so when they brought the guy over, they started to hear like muffled kind of. <laughs> 
it coming from his bag and they're like what the fuck so when they opened it up they find a freaking leopard cub man a leopard cub you know they're thinking he might have a condom full of freaking coke up his asshole or something not expecting to find a freaking leopard cub like and so it was a female leopard cub weighing one kilogram so which is insane and like yeah the the cub was like in shock like weak and shit so i think it's getting investigated under the wildlife protection act of 1972 you know whether this like is a fine a prison sentence who knows i think they're they're wondering if like he's involved in a, an international animal smuggling ring but i don't know i've got the i've i i think he's probably just a moron trying to have a pet freaking leopard like some people do you know because if you you'd think if they're part of an international ring, they'd have done it a, a bit different to um a frigging animal in your suitcase. She's insane. It's crazy. Some crazy ass shit. But yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just glad that the little guys, well, little girl, little guy, little girl, little guy, that's kind of a colloquialism, right? But, yeah, luckily she's cool, but will will they fly it back to Thailand? I think that's the big thing. Like, her, her fam's probably in Thailand, so she's probably just homesick and shit. So is she, is she going to have to grow up in India? What's going to be the situation there? Who knows? Isn't crazy, right? Well, that was a great night. Just back from the even time Apollo in Hammersmith. Had another chance to go and catch Death Cab for Cutie. Went with my boy Mo. And um yeah, it was a it was a great night. So Death Cab for Cutie, um, you know alternative indie rock band started in san bruno california 1997 consisting of ben gibbard nick hamer dave depper zach ray and jason mckeever um they've had uh yeah slew of albums i think like i don't know nine albums I think that's right, yeah, um, and yeah, I've seen them a few times, and every time it's just been, it's been great, you know what I mean, it's been a, a good experience, and um, yeah, this was, this was no different, um, like the support was the Beths, a New Zealand band, and yeah, they were right. They weren't too bad. Like it's always weird sometimes, depending on the size of the venue. Like with the opening band, because you know the venue's never that full, 
so the acoustics are completely different but from what you know you could hear they sounded okay they sounded like they've got potential something like you think all right yeah i could listen to these again you know it was non-offensive it was kind of easy going so yeah you know what i'm I'm probably gonna go and hunt them down on, on youtube have a little listen to something um you see if they're on apple i don't know but hey it was all of the night you know what I mean? it was all about def cab and Man, yeah, it it was a lot of fun, you know, like, the big, the, the, the big songs were getting played, it was just, um, it's something else, I think, when you hear certain people playing live, you know, and then you get to hear certain songs live, like marching bands of Manhattan, Soul Meets Body, um, different names for the same thing like just all those songs are just they just remind you of so much grapevine fires bixby canyon bridge you know i mean you you just those songs you gotta love those songs but um i think the energy when some of those songs played you know, especially like the big songs, the big kind of, because they're not a jump up band, you know what I mean? But they do invoke emotion and that's like the big thing. So when things like Marching Band came on, like everyone, you know, everyone's clapping, everyone's like, you know, just into it. But I think one of the things like when they were playing uh you know the songs from tran transatlanticism it, it's it's those songs you know like tiny vessels passenger seat lightness expo 86 like i think those songs i like to listen to on my own you know, they're kind of those retrospective songs, those songs that really make you think. It's like there's a poetry to them. Like, you know, Gibbard's wordplay is extremely good on, like, all the songs, really, from all the albums. But I think this was the album that really jumped everything off, you know, really propelled them. And when you hear certain things at a certain time, they really stick with you. So these songs, yeah, you just want to be alone with them. You just want to let them wash over you, you know, let you let yourself ruminate about the emotions that are being invoked, you know, and so it was nice that they ended with transatlanticism, you know, although it's kind of ironic, because it's just like, I want you near, but hey, everyone get out, we're finished, we're done, but, um, you know, it was, it's like, a, a funny thing, you know, was having a conversation with my friend, you know, because I think, 
we probably stumbled upon upon them around about the same time and you you kind of you know we were then just reminiscing about like where we were in life at that time which is funny you know because I remember I was dating this girl from Toronto um yeah we'll call her Toronto um and she was a cunt (laughs) you know basically she wasn't nice like you know at the time you think this is something real this is something great and then you realize who someone is but during that time I saw a lot of good bands, you know, I go to gigs, like, every year, it's more and more and more gigs, you know, and I just remember, during that period that I was with Toronto, so I saw, like, Death Cab, Stars, Metric, Broken Social Scene, you know what I mean, it's like, so many Foo Fighters, Jay-Z, Linkin Park, just so many bands, and the like Death Cab especially, you know. I remember going to that gig. And it, I just think it's it's interesting that because you know, I think the big thing with music is like you think of any period of time and there's something, there's a song, an album that jumps out at you, that reminds you of what you were doing, how you were feeling, but the great thing, I, 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 you know, I've realised that even though I, you know, listening to this music tonight, I remember what I was doing, there's this detachment from that, so it's good, do you know what I mean, there's no negative commentations, involved like I'm able to just listen and just enjoy the music for what it is and not you know what I mean be like caught up with like any sort of feelings or emotions for this like little harpy you know what I mean which is good because yeah it's like, and the crazy thing is, like, I saw them last year at the South Bank, but this was a completely different gig, you know, like, although the Royal Festival Hall, it's not a small venue, I was, like, in the front row, and so it seemed like a a bit more of an intimate gig, but, at, you know, at the even time, Apollo, that's a, it's a whole different thing, it's a, it's a huge venue, like completely different acoustics, and this felt like, you know, a bigger, a, a, a much bigger situation, and um, although there was that element to it, you know, it, it was still enjoyable within itself, you know, it was still a really good night, and I think listening to some of the new stuff live as well, I mean, it's like, I do enjoy, like, the new stuff, I enjoy, the the new albums, I enjoy the new albums too, you know, but this is what me and Mo were talking about last night, tonight, 
Well, it's kind of last night now because you know what I mean. Now's the next day, but I think sometimes you hold the older stuff dearer because you lived through a certain moment with it. So you listen to the new stuff, but now we are like we're never whole. You know what I mean? Because we always are evolving and changing. But back then, back when you, you know, were listening to these albums, you were more malleable. So you were absorbing everything around you and attaching it to different kind of constructs within yourself. So you're evolving and growing around this music. And so it you know what I mean you every time you hear it it resonates within you and it invokes different emotions and different feelings. But the new stuff you listen, it's nice, but it's not a part of you like that, you know? But um but yeah, it was it, it was definitely enjoyable. It was a fun night. I have to say, there was a mix-up with the tickets, but, you know, this young lady who was working in the box office couldn't have been nicer. She was extremely helpful, extremely friendly, just a sweet girl, and really appreciate, you know, in her help. Is it like, you know... We we were trying to do something towards the end and an exchange with the tickets because some other people needed to be where we were at. But unfortunately, you know, it was so busy, it didn't come to pass. So, you know what I mean? That's a shame because, hey, it's all about people being able to experience and enjoy themselves. But, yeah, it was a great night. It was a lot of fun. So um yeah looking looking forward to the next experience musically and also the next time to have some fun with Def Cab you know what I mean so yeah i believe this is uh, the tour is still going on so if they're going to stop part a part of the world near you i'd highly recommend checking them out okay cool so it was a big sporting weekend really last um weekend you know the 2nd and the 3rd of February uh so it all kind of started with the UFC on Saturday night so that was um live from Fortila Fort Fortilas in Brazil um, Asansal v Morais 2 So it was a, a rematch from their um, Yeah, from an earlier fight they had At UFC 212 in June 2017 um, Asansal won that fight by split decision uh, and so, um, yeah, they were meeting again, and this time, it's yeah, it's been, it's kind of, it's it's not been officially said, 
but the thought is the winner would get a shot at um T-Day Dillashaw's bantamweight title uh you know the the card was a very stacked with Brazilians and it was Michael the Count Bisbin's first gig as um color commentator so uh you know what they were so there was the prelims and then the main card and we're just going to go straight into the main card we had the first fight was Livia Souza v Sarah Frota. Um, this when this went, you know, to a decision and Souza took it. Now I have I have to say there were there were some choice decisions this night. You know, it was it was a good card, but there were some choice decisions. Now, Souza looked really good in the first round. Like it ended with her taking Frota down um, at the very end, and you know she sunk in a, a submission, but Frota just managed to survive. The next two rounds. You can say that Frota started to come on strong. Um, like, I don't know, the second round, you could say that's a toss-up. The third round, definitely, though, Frota took. So, I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people thought that Frota probably took the fight. But, I think one of the big reasons... Why she came on strong and Souza started to look tired because Frota came in seven pounds over the weight limit, so it was a hundred and fifteen pounds. Um, they were fighting at um straw weight, so a hundred and fifteen pounds. Frota weighed in at a hundred and twenty three pounds, so yeah. And I think that clearly wore on Sosa as the fight went on. So even though Frota, you know, maybe should have got the nod, I'm not mad because, hey, she came in crazy heavy. So, you know what I mean? She's lucky to even get a, the fight. The next fight was Johnny Walker against Justin Ledette. Now, Johnny Walker looked sensational. On um, Dana White's contender series Brazil. Uh, and then his first fight in the UFC. He just destroyed Khalil Roundtree. This fight. You know it was kind of thought that Ledette might have a stand a better chance. Because he's got good boxing. You know he had a pro career as a boxer. Went 6-0. So the kind of consensus was that Ledette could. You know what I mean. Pose a threat. And a challenge to Walker. Yes. Well that. <laughs> that wasn't the case. This was insane. The fight went 15 seconds. Johnny Walker. Caught Ledette with a. Um, kind of a crescent kick. But. it like So the crescent kick. I think dazed. Like grazed his head. But what really got him. Was straight off the kick. 
Walker came round with a spinning back fist. That put Ledette on, um, yeah, severely compromised situation. He went down, went down. Johnny Walker threw a bloody kick at him. Was luckily it missed. Otherwise, he would have been disqualified. He then hit some ground and pound. And, yeah, then the referee pulled him off. Clear stoppage. Yeah, Johnny Walker won. Um, we then had Charles Oliveira against David Taymor. And um, yeah, Oliveira's been looking very good in his last few fights, you know. But David Taymor, hey, he he was definitely, uh, a, you know, on paper, a, a, a very good challenge. The fight. It, you know, the, the the first round of the fight, it was kind of back and forth. It was pretty close. Some big shots were landed. But also what that was landed was Timor hit Oliveira with a double eye poke. So two fingers in both eyes. It, it was not, it didn't look good at all. Uh, what was interesting was the referee took a point straight away from Tamor. And he said, and you could clearly hear him say, he was like, look, I know it was an accident, but, you know, it, it, those eye pokes clearly have compromised Oliveira. So I'm going to have to take a point. You know, there was no more, there was no more warnings or anything like that. And, you know, Tamo was just like, what? I, I, I don't get a warning. I, what that? You're taking a point straight away, and I have to say, I liked it because you know maybe if it was a straight up just a point, no warnings, a point, it would force fighters to close their hands. You know what I mean? Not just push off with their fingers and be, yeah, just be a bit more careful. Because, you know, you get five minutes to clear your head and to make sure you're okay. But trust me, I've, you know what I mean? I've, like, had things in my eyes. And I poked myself in the eyes, been poked in the eye in training. Um, hey, you, you can wait five minutes, but even after five minutes your vision is still messed up you see you know what i mean you're still your eyes are still watering you're kind of still a bit blurred still seeing double so yeah no warnings straight point taken that that works for me that works for me so it, it like the fight went on but then a little bit later there was another poke in the eye the referee missed this one so Tamer got away with it but yeah, I, but you could definitely see this kind of riled Oliveira up and he went hard. So first round was very back and forth, very crazy. Like, Tamor came out with the second round. His, his eye was, one of his eyes was nearly closed. Oliveira was bloodied up a bit as well. But it, it only went 55 minutes into the second round. Um, Oliveira took Tamor down and sunk in the submission and got the win. So Oliveira, he's on a bit of a streak now. It'll be interesting to see what his next fight is and 
you know, how far up the rankings he's going to go. He wants someone in the top five from these last few performances. You know what I mean? It's hard to kind of say that he shouldn't, you know. Um, Next fight was Damian Meyer against Lyman Good. After the last few performances from Meyer, where he has clearly struggled against rest, the wrestlers, you know, and and bigger people, it's it was kind of thought that maybe it's time for him to hang up the gloves. And Lyman Good, you know, I, I think the consensus was that Lyman Good was going to probably knock Meyer out. His good has looked sensational in these last few fights. Um, especially the last fight against Ben Saunders. Ben had him in a tie um tie clinch. Um and like good just hit him with just repeated uppercuts and then just knocked him out. So, you know what I mean, that you kind of thinking, well, Maya has to, um, has to get in close, has to, you know what I mean, grapple, so the chances is that Good would do the same to Maya, would hit him and, like, knock him out, you know, yeah, well, that didn't happen, did it, <laughs> this was... Yeah, this is a crazy fight. Like, you know, it, it it only went about half the first round. But, like, Maya didn't look out of his comfort zone on the feet. He was holding his own. But Maya does what Maya does. And he closed the distance, got in tight onto good, managed to get him down. And in the transition, like, good trying to get to his feet, Maya got on his back. Maya got on his back, and it was a lovely transition to take the back as well. Um, Good stood up, though. So, Maya's on his back, trying to, like, sink in a um, submission. Like, you know, sink in a rear naked choke. Uh, he he's not able to get it in. He he's trying to stay on um, Good's back, but Maya is tenacious. Once he has got his hooks and everything locked, and he he just you know like kept on pummeling in, pummeling in. I you know to be honest, I don't even know if the, it finally was under the chin, but he definitely was cranking the chin. Um, and face hard, and yeah, Good had no other choice but to tap. It, yeah, Maya looked sensational. It was a great performance. Um, so yes, yeah, still life in the old dog. You know, forty-one year old, and he's still going okay. The next up was Jose Aldo against Renato um, Moriato. And, hey, you know, Morado was the younger guy, the upstart, the new blood um, against Aldo, who 
he, I think Aldo's 32, so he's not even old, but he has had so many fights, and you know, he looked great against Jeremy Stevens, but he'd been, basically he'd been destroyed by Max Holloway twice, so it, it, you know, and he's been talking about retirement, like, and the fact he's only got like maybe three more fights left in him, so it was a bit like, I, you know, this could be Renato's day, but god damn it, man, like, look, the first round, I think you could say that Aldo was looking a little bit slow, it, t- it probably took him a little while to kind of warm up, but he was still landing. He was moving forward, um, trying to counter, you know, because he is a counter puncher. So it went into the second round. And, like, one of the key things you could see, Aldo was going for the body. He was going for the body a lot. And, hey, that started to pay off. He hit him. He hit Ronaldo with a nice overhand hook. Um, then he went to the body, um, and then he went for another hook, like, Ronaldo is definitely compromised, he's not overly showing it, but you can definitely see there were winces when those punches hit, and Aldo just swarmed him, and just reckless abandon, you know what I mean, there was was nothing about keeping the guard up, he just went for him, and just landed repeatedly, and the referee had to step in, because he was getting mauled, so Aldo, hey, looked, looked like he, you know what I mean, He, he could still do it, definitely can still do it, so it's going to be interesting to see who he gets next, um, and then we get to the main event, which was the rematch between Rafael Sansal and Marlon Moraes, whoo, well, Moraes's last two fights were, like, over, like, in the minute of the first round with, um, yeah, head kicks, so it was a bit like, you know, it's clear that Marais has definitely improved since their last fight. And sometimes the sun style can be a bit flat footed. So it was a bit like, you know, what I mean, can Marais continue this upward turn he's been on? And um, the answer is yes. Yes, he can. This was not a head kick win for Marais. But it was a submission. Um, he looked so much faster than a sunsail. So much faster. Very slick. Just in and out. Like peppering him with punches. And he landed like a, a, a vicious right hook. and Which clearly like stunned the sunsail, he then hit him again, which put a sunsail down, and Marais was on top, went for him, sunsail tried to get up, um, Marais, like, straight away, which was, and you were thinking, oh, 
should he do, should, I mean, should he just let him stand and just be on the feet? But he went for a guillotine, um, jumped on it, jumped on the guillotine and went down, went down and then just cranked it, cranked the guillotine, her son out, you know, he tried to fight the hands, nothing he could do, had to tap, had to tap. And uh, yeah, it was Marlon Magic Marais is um, he got revenge, you know, three about three minutes into the first round. It was a, like crazy, a crazy fight. So this was, you know, this was a, a good card. It was a good card. As I said, look, there were some um, suspicions suspect decisions uh like the first fight on the card Magnamed Bibliatov against Rahato Bontorini um and to be honest it, you know it, I kind of felt that Magnamed won that one uh but you know it, it went to decision and you know, the the judges gave it to Bontarine. I, yeah, I mean, Bontarine was the Brazilian home fighter, so that could have been it. But I will say, like, it was a close fight, so it's hard to say it's a complete robbery. But you definitely felt the um. The fight should have gone to Bibliatov. Uh, then you had uh, a, a fight with Mari- Maria um, Borella against Talia Santos. Um, Borella took the fight. Um, and I don't know, it, it did seem that Santos probably should have just pipped it. But it was a close fight. This time, no, wasn't given to the Brazilian. Um, Barella is Italian, so you know what I mean. Not you. You can't say suspect, dodgy judging. Well, you can do, but it, it wasn't in the favor of the home fighter. And I will definitely give a shout out to Tiago Tiago uh, Alves, who put on an extremely good display against Max Griffin because I have to say it went to decision and if you looked at the first round you'd have thought that Griffin was going to run away with it because he came on so strong he he looked so much quicker so much slicker than Alves but he he just started to gas Started to clearly gas, and Alvarez just really stepped up, really stepped up his game, and just took it to Griffin, and so was able to, um, yeah, take the decision. So yeah, great fight, um, and this was a very good card. Bisbing's first color commentary gig, like he's been doing the Contender series, which he's he did a good, he's done a good rate job on. Um, and this, yeah, it was it was really interesting. Like I think at the beginning he was talking very quickly, but 
he, he as the night went on he kind of really kind of slowed down and you could see he was getting a lot more comfortable and it was interesting to get his insights into the fight you know because he's a former fighter a former champion so yeah it, it gave things an interesting insight which was good and like the interviews uh, you know the interviews in the cage after the fights he he was asking kind of some different kind of questions so he kind of mixed it up and it was interesting it was yeah it was good you know it was a good show another good card second card on ESPN and February is going to be a good good time for UFC fans because there's a fight every weekend so looking forward to that and next week it's um UFC 234 I believe from Melbourne Whitaker v Gastelin so well yeah people um yeah was a good good fight night um a good a good lot of fights and looking forward to UFC Melbourne next weekend as i said you know what i mean this was the weekend of sport UFC on saturday and then super bowl 53 on sunday and you know i i think this time around like patriots v rams you just think the way both teams got to the big game that this was gonna be something special this was gonna be it was gonna be tight there was never gonna be any runaways or anything like that it's always gonna be a tight game but it was gonna be an intense gritty and a great game um and i you know what it, it definitely was gritty you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't offensive. Uh, well, especially in the first half. You know what I mean? It was just like, by one t- by, by one field goal. That's what we were looking at. You know, I think we'd had some good defensive plays, for sure. There'd also been a few errors. It was a little tentative, the game, but you you had to say that the Patriots were definitely in control, you know, like the um the Rams defense had been on the field for a long last time, and although Patriots were only winning by three, they did seem to be in control, but we have all seen situations in the Super Bowl where a hey, it took one good play and the whole landscape of the game changed. So, you know, I think when the Rams equalized and it was free free, you were just thinking, all right, so they 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 seem to be able to start to string some plays together you know you so see you were thinking hmm maybe
be the Rams could do something, but I think you you still had a feeling that the Patriots were in control, and then especially when Edelman, God damn it, like Edelman and Gronkowski, woo, man, they 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 played games, son games and Gronk with with his arm cast you know what I mean he was playing the comes with an arm cast and he was still in there he was still blocking he was still you know what I mean getting the job done so it was great during that the catch he made to set up the play for um Sonny Michel to cut to to run in for the touchdown you know it, it was just it was a little bit special at the end you know what I mean because especially because essentially the Patriots played the same play three times in a row you know what I mean Edelman through the middle Gronkowski around the outside and each time they had success you know, once to Edelman, twice to Gronkowski. It, it was just, it, it, man, it's just like the Patriots are like they're the team. They are the team. When you think about it, right? So, um, the 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 Rams offense had averaged thirty two point nine points per game in the regular season and the Patriots held them for free they held them for free how crazy is that you know what I mean that's just like that's something man that's something but when the Patriots missed the field goal, you were thinking, oh, will that come back? Will that come back and haunt them? But no. As I said, look, it was a, it was a tight game. But, like, theoretically, the Patriots didn't look like they would lose. Especially the, the, the way their defense was playing and the way the... They were just forcing Goff back. So he, he, he couldn't ever really step up in the pocket. He was always forced. He was always pressured. He was always hustled. He was always hit. And, and, and so, you know, they weren't able to get a flow. Weren't able to get a flow. So, yeah. this This was... Yeah, it, you know what I mean? It, it was not a classic game, but it was a great game when you think about it because no one really thought the Patriots would win. Like, the Patriots were the underdogs. Like, can you believe that shit? The Patriots were the underdogs. Like, they... You know, it wasn't a flawless season. So they lost, was it like five games this season? You know, so people thought, has the mystique gone? 
You know what I mean? Has the has the sheen left them? Because it it's an aging team. You know what I mean? We don't know. This could have been Gronk's last Super Bowl. Like, I mean, Brady has said that he's going to play on, but who knows what happens in the in the uh, postseason? You know. So it's it's just like. Yeah, it's an old team, and they they were looking like they the, the flaws may be catching up, but when the chips are down, the Patriots know how to pull it out. You know that I think that's the big thing. Is like remember the season when. Uh, it's a crazy season when Brady was suspended, the ball gate thing. He missed the first few games and then they came back and won the Super Bowl. You know, it's like you can't write them off. Can't write them off. Six Super Bowls in the last 18 years. And, um, yes, they won six, but I think, and they also went another, because I think they lost three, right, so it's just a performance, I mean, when you think back a few years, when they were just unbeatable, you know, when they went the season without losing, they just looked flawless, so yeah, they were a great team then, but I, I believe the real mark of greatness is when you can face adversity and you stand up you know what I mean you show your colors so that's the thing it's easy to win when everything is going well but can you win when your back is up against the wall hey some people the answer is no no they can't do that but hey I think yeah I think the Patriots showed their metal, they showed what sort of team they are, and it was, it was fantastic, man, I, yeah, it was, it was, it was great, some of the crazy things after the game, though, Jesus, man, like, when, when you see, like, the press, they just went insane, and were just on them, and so, Brady's trying to, you know what I mean, like, thank the other team, and then when Bilicek comes, and then he nearly goes under, because the press were just swarmed it, you thought, like, maybe Kraft was gonna get trampled to death as well, he's a tiny old man, it was just looking insane, the way, that, yeah, I think the press just went crazy rabid at the end there, and, I have to say, the whole kissing the trophy thing, when you're in, when the trophy's getting delivered and they're walking through the line, running the gauntlet, and every player is kissing that trophy, I'd kind of be like, I ain't, no, 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 no. After it's had all those lips on it, I'd be like, nah, you know what? I'll pass. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll wait. But, um,. Yeah, I, I, you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the Super Bowl. Didn't bother with the halftime show because, you know, like Maroon 5, well, 
I have to say, look, back in the day, I liked Maroon 5. I liked the first album. Was it something about Jane? Something like that, right? I liked the first album because it was non-offensive. And, hey, you could put that on, have it playing in the background. Like, when a, when a, when a, when a chick's over, you know what I mean? And, and it would be nice. Be nice. You know what I mean? But. Ever since, I'm not really feeling their shit after that first album. So it was all a bit like, meh. And Big Boy, Big Boy is alright. But I have to say, the bits I did hear with Big Boy, the mic just, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't really good. The levels weren't great. Levels weren't great. So, yeah, I couldn't be bothered with the halftime show. But, um, yeah, it was all about the game. And, um... That's it for another um another year, another season of um American football. Alright. But um I I had to watch it on Game Pass because I tried to watch it on the BBC. God damn it, that was irritating. Like they kept on bringing Gareth friggin' Southgate. Gareth Southgate to talk. Gareth Southgate knows fuck all about American football and he's talking shit I was just like get the fuck out of here man you know what I mean Gareth Southgate is not a great manager Gareth Southgate is a fool and I don't want to listen to his shit when I'm trying to watch the goddamn Super Bowl but I was I was lucky, got my game pass on, and I watched it, man. So, yeah, it was all gravy. And that was the end of a fun-ass, sports-packed weekend. So, I cannot remember how I, um, I stumbled upon it. But this week, I watched The Kaminsky Method on, um, on Netflix. So... It's starring Michael Douglas, Alan Arkin, uh, Sarah Baker, um, Lisa Edelman, Edelstein, who, um, I, you know, I was watching, I was like, where do I recognize her from? I know that woman from somewhere. Where is it? Then I realized she was Cuddy in House. Yes. And um, Nancy Travis. All right, another thing. I always mistake Alan Arkin for Alan Alder. Don't know why. Always. So I'm always a bit simply like, wait, I thought that was, yeah, always, every time. Don't know why. Brain like a sieve. That's what I would say, but who knows. You know, the weird thing is, it's a Chuck Law production. And... Most of Chuck Law's shows irritate the fuck out of me. But, surprisingly, this one didn't. But he didn't really write this one, so I think that's probably why. But, okay, so the Kaminsky Method. I had no clue what this was. Um, But, yeah, so this is basically the gist. Michael Douglas plays an actor who made it big a long time ago and who now is an acting coach at his studio named after himself the Kaminsky method his best friend and agent loses his wife to cancer which leaves both of them questioning their existence 
as they struggle through choices and relationships old and new. As Kaminsky teaches a class to actors, he meets a woman whom he has deep feelings for, but lacks the skills to make a relationship work. Meanwhile, his agent struggles with the pain of his wife's death and a drug-addicted daughter. Throughout the series, it becomes clear that there are advanced age as challenges that neither one knows how to overcome. And as they keep on board this train of life, which is closer to death than ever before, they learn to navigate their way through pain and character growth and setbacks. Yeah, I was like, if anyone said a program about an acting coach, I probably would have rolled my eyes and um, watched a rerun of Game of Thrones or something. Or just you know, watch something on the Food Network, <laughs> who am I kidding, but I have to say, this, this was enjoyable, I, I think the fact that it's like, you know, the episodes of 25 minutes, you know, so they weren't over long, it wasn't just f- uh, loads of filler and all of that kind of thing, so that definitely helped the situation, but, you know, I, I, I think a, a program about old people has still got similarities to other programs that you might watch. Because essentially, this is looking at friendship, um, friendship and love, you know, which is, yeah, it, it's those old traits that you see time and time again. And they just work, you know. Well, they work if they're written well. And this did remind me of um, Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant's extras. Just because um, was that, you know, Ricky was a, um, he was an actor. And Merchant was his agent and he's trying to get work and it's not... You know, and, and this kind of had that feel to it. And also, the thing with that was you had people turn up playing themselves, but kind of to the ninth degree. And again, that was a thing that you found with this. And so it's a bit, you know... It, I think it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, it, 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 you know, it has people play, poking fun at themselves, not taking themselves too seriously, so that's always a kind of a bit of a refreshing touch, and there was, there was jokes in it, you know, it was kind of funny, but also candid as well, you know, like it's dealing with stuff that, it doesn't always get touched upon, like, you know, prostate cancer, (laughs) you don't often see that in a comedy, right, so it's looking at these kind of different things that affect people's lives, and not just, you know, the, the, the mundane bullshit drivel that often crops up in shows like Friends, so, 
Yeah, I, I think that part of it, I, I, I definitely, um, definitely enjoyed. And then it was just the chemistry between Douglas and um, Arkin. I mean, that was that that was well played because it wasn't like just straight across the board that they got on all the time, and it was it was a bit coarse, coarse, coarse. They got they 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 argued a lot, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and that made it that helped that helped make the situation. Um, yeah, it was it, it just kind of felt a little real. You know, uh, different situations, not knowing what to say in those situations, offending people when they're not trying not to offend. You know, it just all worked. It all worked. And I think it catches you off guard at times as well, you know, because, hey, there was it was kind of... um. Like so th- these morose moments in it, which I wasn't expecting. You know, you think, okay, it's just gonna be, it's just gonna be funny, a little candid. It would be like that, but yeah, you have these remote, remote, uh, morose moments, and you're just thinking, oh, oh, okay, now, now it's getting serious. All right, a little heartfelt. Uh, yeah, all right, that works. So it kind of tempered everything, and it and it meant it wasn't just completely over the top and ridiculous, you know. And that was cool. So um, yeah, eight episodes as well, just the right amount, not too many. Yeah, just right. So um, it's got a second season, right? So I don't know when that's going to come out, but. It'll be interesting to see how long this can kind of um, go for, you know, because, yeah, I don't know. It's like, will they continue the relationships? Yeah, what's going to happen? Who knows? But I will say, if, if if you just want something to watch that you don't have to kind of think about too deeply, well, then, yeah. I would say give this a go, the Kaminsky um, method, uh, and you'll find it on Netflix. Okay, so the first book this week is, um, we're back with Benedict Jacker's Alex Vera series. So this is book eight, and it's called Bound. Um, The breakdown is this. Mage Alex Virus is caught between a rock and a hard place in the eighth urban fantasy novel from the national bestseller author of Burned. Right now, I wasn't seeing Richard as the teacher out of my nightmares. He was just another dark mage, and I looked into the future to see what would happen if I turned the knife on him instead. Alex Virus is still haunted by his time apprentice to Richard Drack. He's been free of him for many years, but now the only way to keep his friends from being harmed is to again work for Richard and his deadly allies. 
even worse, he's forced to bring the light mage Anne into his servitude as well. After weeks of being hunted and finally cornered into what he thought was his last stand, Alex never thought this his life would be spared and never anticipated at what price. This time the diviner can see no way out. I think, you know, a lot of the times I talk about how some books are very disappointing because they paint themselves into a corner and then you know, the solution comes out of nowhere, you know, there's no seeds being planted, you know, there's no common sense to this solution, and it comes very, becomes very frustrating, you can do that like once in a book, if you write it well, but when there's multiple occasions where this happened, you just find yourself a bit like, what's happening here? What's going on? But I am so pleased to say that this isn't something that you can say about Benedict Jacker's work. And with the Alex Vera series, you know, from book one, you can see the growth and evolution of the characters. After being in all of these situations, you can see the wear and tear they have on on the characters' lives, you know? Like, Luna has changed so much. And so is Very. From the first, like, book you, fi- you find him in, like, where, like, you know, people don't really like him. He's just brash and he's just, you know, he's definitely changed come book eight. And this is great. And also, a lot of the stuff that happens, it was seeded ages ago. And it's not like little things that were like, you never even noticed. The, the, a lot of the stuff that kind of comes full circle, you're like, oh shit, that was a big part of like book six. And oh, I remember that from book five. And so there's all these kind of payoffs and things that are becoming clear. And it's great. You know, it's really good. Because it's rewarding the fact that you've stuck with the series for eight books. And it really enhances the story. So what we're finding is that, yeah, Alex and Anne are forced to work for Richard. But, you know, one of the things they couldn't work out last in the last book was why. Like, what, what's this all about? You know, what, why have they been forced to do this? And now... They, they've suddenly realised, you know, by the end of this book, it's all been revealed. And the revelation leaves you like, oh, damn, what does this mean? You know, like, what, how are they going forward now? This is insane. And I really enjoyed that. 
you know, is it's like, I've got book nine, so I'm like, oh, do I read it straight away, or like, oh, you know, and that's like, oh, when do I want to read it, because then you've got the wait, because book 10 hasn't even been published yet, it's coming out later this year, so it's just like, ah, you know, I, I need to pace myself with this, you know, but, um, yeah, your, you know, the story is really good, because, as I said, look, it's building on what's come before, and you're seeing how previous events have affected the relationships with other characters, you know, how it's affected Alex's relationship with the Keepers, and with other people in the magical um, society, you know, how the other light mages are viewing him and Anne, so, yeah, you have all of these kind of things, you have people asking them to do stuff, but where they've done things before, there's there's been no help when they needed it, so you're in this predicament of like, what do we do, how can we get out of this situation, you know, and it's really enjoyable, you're on the edge of your seat throughout the book, and as I said, look, you get to the end and you're just like, oh my God. Because, every, look, nothing that is revealed hasn't been seeded. This is what I'm saying. It's all been there. But you, because of the way, you know, the story was unfolding, you didn't see it. So when like, you have these reveals, you're just like, damn, I didn't realise, like, I didn't see that turning out like that, like, what does this mean, how does this, whoa, what's gonna happen with the relationships, how does this move forward, what's, like, you know, where is happiness here, like, I don't know, I don't know how people are gonna survive, I don't know how they're gonna be happy, there's gotta be some deaths, right, so you're, you're just left thinking all this stuff, and eager for the next book, and that's always the great thing, because there's plenty of series that you will read, when, and especially when it's multiple books, and you get to the point, and you're like, ah, yeah, that book wasn't really necessary, or I don't know what the outcome of that book was, so now you have all of these things, and as I said, look, I, I, you just want more, you want more of these characters, you want, yeah, I want book 10 to be out now, so then I can do 9 and straight away jump onto 10, so look, if if you've read the other 7 books, of course you need to read this, if you're just a fan of good storytelling, pick up this book, okay, so it's called Bound, it's book 8 in the Alex Vera series, and it's written by Benedict Jacker, you will not be disappointed, 
And as with all the previous books, it's read by Gildert Jackson. And Gildert does an extremely good job. So, um, look, you can pick it up on... Um, like I get all my books on Audible. But I know you, you can get the Kindle version on Amazon or just by the hard, you know, the um, paper version in any bookshop. You will not be disappointed, okay? Cool. Okay, so the next book I read this week was The Hanging Tree. And um, this is The Breakdown. Another gripping and hilarious adventure through the streets of London. A tour of what remains and an insight into what once was with a liberal sprinkling of folklore, myth and violent crime. Every one of the previous novels in Ben Aranovich's series about Peter Grant has made the top 10 of the Sunday Times hard book bestsellers list. And The Hanging Tree looks set to repeat that feat. The Hanging Tree was the old colloquial term for the Tyburn gallery, Gallows, which stood where Marble Arch now stands, along Oxford Street. The last trip was taken by the condemned. Some things don't change. The place has a bloody and haunted legacy. And now... Blood has returned to the empty Mayfair mansions of the world's super-rich, and blood mixed with magic becomes a job for Peter Grant. Peter Grant is back as our Nightingale Atel at the folly and the various river gods, ghosts and spirits who attach themselves to England's last wizard and the Met's reluctant investigator of all things supernatural. I think I've talked about it before, how some books, you know, they just, there's no build-up to things, you know what I mean? There's no kind of woven tapestry they just kind of paint themselves in a corner and then invent something out of the blue to get them out of this to extricate the character like when you read this book man you you see threads from fee previous books and tales come together which really help make this extremely enjoyable, you know, because I I think there's this one bit and like you just hear a, you owe me and it's just like, oh shit, yes, yes. So like it harkens back to an incident from Whispers Underground book three in the Rivers of London series and you know like as soon as in that book when Peter gets buried and um, Lady Ty gets him out and then you just hear at some point Peter I'm gonna need a favor and I'm gonna ask you and you're gonna do it for me I paraphrase, but she basically said that. Uh, and you know that does not bode 
well. You know what I mean? And also, while he's buried underground, Peter sees some things. And all of this plays into the hanging tree. And you're just like, oh shit. So yeah, when she calls in that baby, you're just like, ah, oh, I knew this was coming, man. And I just didn't know how. And so, yeah, like a death happens at a party. Lady Ty's daughter is there. And then Peter, yo, Peter has to, you mean, try his best to help. But also, He's an officer of the law and an officer of the folly. So he's really in a corner here. And it's great, man. Like so many other things play into this book as well. You know, so we've got, um, you know, obviously the faceless man shows his, <laughs> I was going to say shows his face, but, hmm. But yes, we, well, Hmm, actually, yeah, not going to say anything else, because boy, <laughs> once you read the book, you're going to see what I just said and be like, okay, okay, but, okay, so we've got the faceless man, which then brings in um, other elements that we have, uh, you know, that we have we have um, come across, like PC... Leslie May, or former PC Leslie May, now, you could just call her traitor, <laughs> yeah, backstabber, <laughs> uh, yeah, so you, you have, you know, a lot of people that we had previously met show up in this tale, and it makes a seamless seamless uh, a seamlessly a seam uh, a seemingly seemingly innocuous death it, it adds new connotations to it and it sends this story all over the place which is always good and you just yeah you're, we're trying to unravel so much here you know, there's, there's so many different things. It'd be like, okay, so why the Americans here? Okay, so what's the fox got to do with it? Okay, why the black guard own these things? You know, so yeah, there's there's all these all these different things. Like yeah, so there you know, black guard that comes from um um. Oh God! What's the book? It's the uh, Homes Under Broken Homes. Sorry, book four. You know, so yeah, like we're we're seeing all these things from previous books, and it's building, it's building, it's building, and we're just like, oh, what's gonna happen? You know, because remember, hey, people, remember in um in uh. uh Foxglove Summer, Peter is told, I'll give you a year and then everything's going to go to hell. So remember that line from there. So we know, oh, shit's going to come to a head. And so 
when we're seeing these threads come together in this book, it's just like, oh, okay, right, so we're getting here, this is happening, we're seeing gods, yeah, like, and things happening with the gods, so we're just like, oh, 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 so that means, hmm, right, it's not as easy then, ah, okay, so where will this go, what does this mean for the future, so we're getting a little kind of insight into a lot, you know, there's a lot, and Peter is, you know, he, he's training, he's got his exams coming up, you know, he's he's learning even more when it comes to wizarding, and he's meeting more people from that world, and it's all impacting on him, on the folly, you know, his relationship with Nightingale and others, you know, his other colleagues like Galid is getting pulled deeper and deeper. Whoo, man. And listen, right, so you have all of this and it's just making a really enthralling, exciting story. You know, like these these books are extremely well paced. You know, at no point are you just like, oh man, like if 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 only it was a bit shorter. You know, if, if they just cut that one bit, that what like that wasn't even important. That wasn't needed for this tale. Like everything seems to serve a purpose, and also it serves a purpose for future tales as well. You know, you read one book and be like, okay, yeah, that was interesting, and it kind of fit into things there. I wonder what that means. And then you'll read another book, maybe the next one, maybe two later, and it's just like, oh shit. I see that that importance even more now. So yeah, everything's well paced. Everything's just building, and it's great. You know, what I mean, I I I'm loving this series so much. Like, I just want the books sooner. You know, what I mean, I've, I've I've got two more books: a novella, 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 novella. Bloody hell! Um, a novella, and then the last book that came out last year, Lies Sleeping. And then that's it, that's it, you know, I mean, there's the, um, there's a new novella coming out in June, but it's like, I want the next full-length book as well, man, it's like, you just want to see where this is going, because it's getting so damn exciting, so damn exciting, especially when these new elements of the magical world keep on like stepping into the light and it's just like oh shit so we've got wizards in africa now we've got wizards in america we've got wizards in china like where else like witches are legit like what's going on now man so it's great it's really i can't recommend these books enough and you know Aronovich, he, his writing is, because it's funny, but it's not forced humour, you know, and then you have Kobner Holbrook-Smith, and the way he reads the books is awesome, like, every character has their own voice, like, literally, he, he's doing, like, all these different accents, and 
also the cadence of the characters as well you know he adds it all in which really brings these things to life audiobooks are great you know what i mean it's it's just like gone of the days of that robotic voice reading something and in this weird pitch like now everything's coming to life and you can really immerse yourself in that world so hey pick up the hanging tree book six in the rivers of london series aronovich is on top form holbrook smith is on top form and hey all you have to do go to audible i mean do a trial you get the free a free book just get that pick up this pick up it you won't be disappointed okay awesome so um yeah tune in next week for another rivers of london review okay so you know we come to the end of another episode so let's hit the news before we bounce um, so at the moment, there's the Television Critics Association press tour happening. So all the studios are talking about, you know, shows they're renewing, new shows they're launching and all of that. So ABC have had theirs. Um, and the two biggest bits of news were that Modern Family is getting an 11th and final season and that um their freeform channel is going to be um having the second season of marvel's cloak and dagger on the 4th of april so um yeah you know the the i thought the first season was um was different you know because it explored louisiana and new orleans which was like a different area we don't really you know it's mainly new york that we see when it comes to superheroes so it was interesting to get that as a um location and then the, just the dynamics between the characters was a bit different. So it would be interesting to see how um, the, a second season is and, and where it actually goes. Because, you know, I mean, season one seemed to be kind of a complete story from what I remember. So, yeah, that that's the big news, really, from... Um, from ABC other than um there was a um Alan Heinberg Marvel project that had been talked about for a while and they've said that it's no longer a thing but what that might be is that you know the project is just going to go to Disney plus you know rather than ABC which does seem to be the big thing and that moves on to the second piece because um so disney have um had a big call with um investors and stuff um and it seems that with the launch of disney plus the house of mouse is going to initially lose 150 million 
Um, and this is because they're no longer going to have money from like shows that they lease to um, people like uh, HBO and Netflix and other studios. Also, you know, when one of the big films comes out, they negotiate the TV rights. That's no longer a thing. Because the T, you know, like these films are then going to go straight onto the Disney Plus service. So you no longer have that revenue coming in. So, um, yeah, and then you've got the starter. And then, like, in that 150, I believe, is like the money that was used to create the service and all the operating costs and everything like that. But it's Disney, man. You know what I mean? They they broke a billion in revenue for the third year in a row last year. So you, you kind of feel, hey, it's 150 million, nothing to be sniffed at. But... I think they'll be alright, you know what I mean, I, I don't think this is really going to damage them, this year you've got Dumbo, you've got um, Avengers Endgame, Captain Marvel, you know what I mean, that's just three big things, so I think they're probably going to hit a bit, another B and year, it's going to be, you know what I mean, I think they're going to be financially okay. I mean, the one thing we don't know is just how much um, it's going to cost to subscribe to uh, the, the streaming service, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Oh, another bit of news, though, from um, ABC's Freeform is that um, they've... Uh, They've announced that um, their Party of Five reboot has gone straight to series, and it seems that it, it's it's gone a um, a Latin a Latino vibe to it, uh, because you know I think if we remember the first one. That starred um, Neve Campbell, um, Matthew Fox, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. They were the big, probably, takeaway stars. You also had Scott Wolf and Lacey Shebert. But, you know, I don't know. They, they I, I haven't seen those two around, really. I mean... Matthew Fox was big with um, Lost. Neve had, um, you know, the Scream films and all of that. Jennifer Luz Hewitt was out chasing ghosts or something. But yeah, you know, they were a, a white family, lost their parents, blah, 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 blah. But this new season is, um, yeah, they've... they've um, that you know they uh, it's like um it follows five acosta children as they navigate daily life struggles to survive as a family unit after their fa their parents are suddenly deported to mexico yeah 
Seems a bit weird. Definitely seems a bit like they're going to try and press those buttons with this show. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It'd be, be interesting to see how this is perceived. And um, yeah, what if it if it goes long? You know what I mean? But yeah, that so that's party of five. I mean, the big bit of news that I'm um, kind of interested in is Nicholas Winding Refin's new show, "Too Old to Die Young." Which unfortunately is going to be an Amazon series, so I'm going to have to find some way of seeing it. But it's just, the news has just come out um, from composer Cliff Martinez that um, this is going to be a long ass show. So it's um, ten episodes, and um, each episode is going to be 90 minutes long which yeah just seems crazy like yeah that's a long ass it's a long ass thing i mean one one of the great things about this project is that it was written by ed brubaker who is an incredible comic book writer like he had a great run on daredevil um, he's got his own um, creator own series is criminal the fade out and um, the w- one that I feel is just it needs to be made which was velvet and that basically was what if money penny used to be in the field now that is a concept that the new, um, the re- recent Daniel Craig reboot kind of played with. Um, but yeah, this this series is dealing with like Money Penny from the original films, like the an older Money Penny, and yeah, she's forced back into the field. And people, if you haven't read it, it's amazing. It's incredible. You need to pick it up. But so, yeah, like Ed Brubaker has got such a great caliber as a writer um, and he's great with like noir crime. So, you know, what I mean, it's kind of like you feel that this show has got every element to be great. I mean, the, the, the whole gist of it basically is um miles teller is a los angeles police officer who um finds himself caught up in a criminal underground that features yazooka russian mafia and mexican cartel so yeah i mean crime base for sure um and a winding reffing stuff is a bit crazy so i'm yeah i'm looking forward to this so i'm gonna have to steal someone's amazon um amazon code so i can watch it hey if if you want to give me your amazon passwords people hit me up send send me a private message and we'll get this popping all right 
But um, that's that's me for another um, another episode. I hope you enjoyed it. A little sports heavy, but I feel we had to talk about the Super Bowl and the UFC because they were both interesting. But we had some music in there with Def Cab for Cutie. You know what I mean? I, I I gave you an update on the day in life, but um, who knows what's happening next week, right? The only way you can find out is by um coming back next Wednesday, all right? But remember, um, share share with your friends, like leave a comment, rate on iTunes. That would be gravy for sure. But we're picking up listeners every single week. So thank you, people. Much appreciated. Um, if there's anything that you want to see, if you're if you know what I mean, anything that you like in, you you know what I mean you want tweaks, whatever, just hit me up. You know, if it's a good idea, I'll run with it. But hey, we're, things are changing, things are moving, things are growing. So um, yeah, strap in and enjoy the ride, people. Catch you next week. Peace.